0: Welcome to this sermon podcast from Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Thanks to all of you that provide the choir and all the special music today. Thank you. I mean, they just make it feel like the fourth, don't they? I mean, it just makes it the fourth. And I think a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of practice goes into all of this. Well, this morning we focused on faith and our freedom. And I tried to show you from history, from the facts of history and from the word of God, that it's connected. Without our faith, we don't have the freedoms we have. And when we risk our faith, we risk our freedoms. Which brings us to this afternoon's message, which is a continuation, but with a bit of a different theme. This afternoon, we want to talk about protecting our freedom. Protecting our freedom. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And by the way, we will continue this patriotic theme uh, next Sunday as well. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13, it says this. Using some words that we've talked about this morning, and that we associate with the 4th of July. Paul says to the Galatians, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now I know what some of you are thinking, and you're thinking accurately, you're thinking biblically. That's not necessarily talking about our freedoms as citizens. This is talking about a spirit, spiritual freedom, a personal freedom, and you are exactly right. But I think it is the perfect illustration for what we citizens have to deal with as well. Look at what it says one more time. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. You know, they were once in bondage, but you have been called now unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You see, these first Christians, these Galatian Christians, had lived under what you would call the bondage of the law. In the Old Testament, I mean, they lived under thousands of rules. You can't eat this, you can't wear that, you can't touch this, you can't touch that. But Jesus comes along and gives them liberty. They are now no longer under the law. They are free from the law. But with that, and this is key, this is important. But with that came a warning from the Apostle Paul. Only use not liberty, <coughs> excuse me, for an occasion to the flesh. Because liberty, or freedom, can lead to license, which then can result in the loss of freedom. So again, let's pause there and consider this. Spiritually speaking, they had gained their freedom, but Paul was afraid they would go too far, thinking, now I am free to do anything and everything I want. And Paul says, no. Yes, you are free, but you're not free to do anything and everything you want. That will result in, in pleasing the flesh. That will be an occasion of the flesh. And that will do you harm. That parallels with us as a nation. We were set free from the bondage of the British. But if we're not careful, we will take that liberty and that freedom too far into license. License means just do anything you want, everything goes. Now, our founding fathers were well aware of world history. They knew that there had been and always will be threats to liberty and freedom. In fact, when Ben Franklin, one of the founding fathers, was asked what they had accomplished, he said to this lady, he said, Madam, we have a republic if you can keep it. If you can keep it. Ben Franklin, early on, knew that the freedom that they had won, the freedom that they had ordered, required that that freedom be sustained. He said, it's a republic if you can keep it. The Founding Fathers were very much aware of threats to our freedom. There were three that they were concerned about. One, not so much, an external menace. Okay, An outside power coming in and conquering us. You know, we've been blessed as a nation. We have Canada to the north and Mexico to the south. You know, friendly neighbors, thankfully. Those that would really be our enemies, there's this big ocean in between. So the founding fathers knew there would always be a threat from invading armies, but we were blessed as a nation, kind of being this island. But they were also aware that there was another threat to our freedom, and he said that's corruption of customs. Corruption of customs. They were aware, if we lost the customs, if you will, of of our churches, of our faith, of the Judeo-Christian ethic, that that was a threat to our freedoms. And then there was a third. One was external menaces or external invasion, corruption of customs. We just corrupt from inside. And the third one was time. Just time. They said, what once was fresh... Becomes faded. We can take anything for granted. And the importance of things can be lost over time. But perhaps the greatest threat to our freedom is what Oz Guinness calls the paradox of freedom. The paradox of freedom. And what he says is this the greatest enemy of freedom is freedom. The greatest enemy of freedom is freedom. You see, American freedom was never intended to be such that citizens had the option of doing anything they wanted. Understand that. That, I mean, I'm giving you civics today. And people don't get civics. So you're all going to be sitting there thinking, what's what's he talking about? This is important, folks. This is foundational. Understand what I said. American freedom was never intended to be such that citizens had the options of doing anything they wanted. Again, that would lead to license. License, the definition. Lacking legal or moral restraints. Especially disregarding sexual restraints, marked by disregard for strict rules of correctness. No civil society can survive license or licentiousness, as the Bible calls it, or the freedom to do as you please. And many Americans are threatening our freedoms by taking freedom to an extreme that our founding fathers never intended. That extreme being, I can do as I please. We can smoke pot if we please to do that. Take drugs if we want to. And it's going to extremes. Have you heard, I don't know if it has happened, is happening, or is about to happen, but in Portland, Oregon, they're about to have this nude bicycle ride of some, I don't know how many miles. Now, that's bad enough. But what was shocking to me was when I heard how many participants they were going to have. Did any of you hear? This has been in the news lately. How many participants they're going to have? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Founding fathers would roll over in their graves. And ignorant Americans today that do not, you know, they don't teach civics in school anymore, certainly not like they used to. Folks, I remember back in the 70s, I remember it clearly in some of my history classes at LSU. I only support the football and basketball and baseball teams. I don't support the Department of Education or any other. <laughs> oh, I remember them undermining our founding fathers in class. These just white, Christian, capitalists taking advantage of anybody and everybody. You know, they don't understand. And therefore, it is threatened. If you think that liberty and freedom gives you the liberty and freedom to do anything you please, you couldn't be more wrong. That's what threatens free societies. In his book, When Nations Die, Jim Nelson Black lists three aspects of decay of nations. Social decay, cultural decay, and moral decay. You can look back in history and see, this is what drives me crazy about liberals. What they are wanting us to do in the direction they want to take this nation in, you can look back, people have already tried it and failed. It's already been tried. I mean, we got thousands of years of human history. And most everything has been tried and failed. And in fact... In his book, Concerning the Fall of Greece, he said this. Remember, Greece was a powerful nation and had some limited freedoms to some degree. But he says, without traditional guidelines, the young men grew wild and undisciplined, destroying the old order. Slowly, Greece developed into a disreputable and lawless nation. The Romans conquered Greece in 146 B.C. by placing everything under military authority. They were able to restore order and bring back the rule of law through military authority. And that's the way it goes, folks. This nation could go into, yeah, at first it just seemed like we're freedom, and then we're doing anything we want, and then it's chaos, and then it's anarchy, and then the iron hand will come down and say, no, this is the way it's going to be, and we've lost our freedom. American freedom, folks, is not to do anything you want to do. American freedom, based on our faith, is a mature, wise freedom that gives people the right to do what they ought to do. And there is a huge difference. We're not free in this country to do everything we want to do. The freedom that we get through our knowledge of God gives us the freedom to do what we ought to do. The key to a prosperous and peaceful nation is self-restraint, self-control, and character. And that is pretty, what, pretty, pretty much what our nation has known these past several hundred years that made us the greatest nation on earth. So now we're going to try something different, thinking we're going to get the same results. That's just blindness. Our forefathers knew that a nation that lacks moral decency, ethics, integrity, and character was incapable of freedom. Again, I love the 4th of July. I love quoting our founding fathers. Again, they they had a maturity about them. These were statesmen. Today we have politicians you know, they, they, they'll they they'll try to trick you, they'll say what they, they, they know you want to hear, and then they'll tell another group something else. Back then, I really believe with all my heart that they were statesmen. John Adams, in a speech to the military in 1798, warned his fellow countrymen, stating, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Folks, that's one of the reasons we can't export freedom to... The Mideast. They're incapable of doing it. Again, what did he say? Our Constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. Governor Morris, who was one of the signers of the Constitution, said this, For avoiding the extremes of despotism or anarchy, the only ground of hope must be on the morals of the people. I believe that religion is the only solid base of morals and that morals are the only possible support for free governments. You want more? How about Robert Winthrop, speaker of the United States House back then? Men in a word must necessarily be controlled by a power within them Or by a power without them. You see, these guys were thinkers. These guys thought about human nature. They thought about relationships. They they looked at the big picture. Today, politics has become petty, and who's going to pad my pocketbook? Who's going to give me an Obama phone? Who's going to take away my Obama phone? And, you know, on and on it goes. I mean, give a statesman. Men in a word must necessarily be controlled either by a power within them or by a power without them. Either, folks, this is so prophetic, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man. Either by the Bible or by the bayonet. Most nations are controlled today by what? The power of the bayonet. And George Washington said this so succinctly. Religion and morality are the essential pillars of civil society. Let me finish up today by sharing with you again. I have profited from reading these three men that I've mentioned, Evan Sayed, Os Guinness, and uh, Rabbi Zacharias. Os Guinness, and I think he's got it right on here, says the founding fathers saw a triangle of freedom. Okay, a triangle of freedom. And understanding and guarding this triangle of freedom is essential to our continuing to live in freedom. What's this triangle of freedom? What, what's he talking about, this man? And I think he's hitting it nail on the head. He says, number one in this triangle of freedom <coughs> is that freedom requires virtue. And that's what we were just talking about. That's what our founding fathers were saying. They said, when well, you've got to be a moral people, you've got to be a religious people. They, they're saying, you've got to be a virtuous people. Virtue is honesty and morality and integrity, ethics, character, and self-control. And virtue is essential for trust. And trust is essential for peace and prosperity. Do you understand that? Virtue is essential for trust, and trust is essential for peace and prosperity. One of the reasons that contributed to America being one of the richest, wealthiest nations on the face of the earth is that outside investors could trust us. That we were not a nation of graft and corruption. That they could invest here and trust that everything would be done lawfully and in order. And God has blessed that. And that's based on what? Virtue. Liberals defended Clinton. Do you remember this? When he was caught with the intern and many of the liberals said that character isn't important. Remember that? That's the liberals for you. Oh, don't get me going again. One, two, three, four, five. (laughs) They said character isn't important. All that matters is competence. Well, that really sounds good, doesn't it? But folks, a person's competence is inconsequential if they lack character. It's inconsequential because they can't be trusted. One writer put it this way, virtue ennobles individual character and lifts society as a whole. Virtuous principles, listen to this, eschew prejudice. Virtuous principles push prejudice to the side and discrimination, confirming that all men are created equal. Virtue encompasses characteristics and promotes goodwill, patience, tolerance, kindness, respect, humility, gratitude, courage, honor, industry, honesty, chastity, and fidelity. These precepts serve as the cornerstones for both individual individual and societal governance. A virtuous people make for a blessed country. You have people that trust one another. They're not having to lock their doors and, and guard their wives and guard their children. And Oz Ginnis points out, number one, that freedom requires virtue, and we've already quoted the founding fathers that said the exact same thing. But that brings us to the second part of the triangle. Freedom requires virtue, and virtue requires faith. Faith. What is the inspiration for virtue? What tells us what virtue is? Atheists, agnostics, liberals can't tell you what virtue is. They have no definition for virtue. They have no definition for evil, except Christians. What promotes virtue? De Tocqueville was a Frenchman who came over to America and was intrigued with America and its prosperity and its blessings, its peace. And he wrote a book, Democracy in America. Tocqueville opens democracy in America by reminding us of something that we now tend to forget, according to this author. The freedom we cherish rests upon religious foundations. Modern democracy could not have emerged but for the influence of Christianity on the Western world. The progress of equality, Tocqueville argues, was driven both by Christianity's influence, on society's institutions, and by its own intellectual influence. So we understand freedom requires virtue, but virtue then requires faith. You, you, you look around the world at all the corruption and how many foreign countries they talk about the leaders in those countries are corrupt and we send stuff from the U.N. over there and it never gets to the people. You know, the leaders are selling it on the black market to make a profit and whatever. You know, it, it, it's horrible because they don't they have no virtue because they have no faith. So freedom requires virtue. Virtue requires faith. And it's a complete circle, this triangle. And faith requires freedom. Freedom requires virtue. Virtue requires faith. And faith requires freedom. I am thankful for our Constitution. I am thankful for the First Amendment to the Constitution, which says this. Congress, and I'm reading it verbatim. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion Are prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Very clear, very succinct. That says that in this country, according to the First Amendment of the Constitution, there can be, number one, this is all it says, no state-supported churches. You cannot have states, we can't collect a tax from you and give it to the Methodist church, okay, That's a state-supported church, or the Baptist church, Catholic, or whatever. You know, our country can't do that. Back through history, particularly in in Europe, there were, you know, national-supported churches. England had, you know, the Church of England, you know, the Anglican church, state-supported church. And in America, uh uh-uh. Churches, we're all for you, and we give you freedom to exist. But, look, we're not going to support churches. We're not going to raise money from people and give it to certain churches. So there can be no state-supported churches. That's what it means when it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Okay? And then the second part says are prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The second part simply says that the state cannot control or impede churches. Can't come in here and tell me what to say. But you are hearing a lot, or are you not, about hate crimes from the pulpit? Preach or preach against uh, whatever sin it might be. The whole idea of the wall of separation, that was just a comment made by Thomas Jefferson. This does not mean that, the, that you cannot have the Ten Commandments in public places. That's what liberals want it to mean. you know, Or that you can't say a prayer in school. We did that for, what, hundreds of years? Until the liberals came around, that's the way they interpret it. But understand the three sided, the three aspects of freedom in our country. Freedom requires virtue, virtue requires faith, faith requires freedom. Which brings us all the way back to Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. For brethren, and again, it's a spiritual verse talking about us personally, but I do believe it has a nation application. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. One of the ways that we will protect freedom in our country is to understand that. We folks need to have a mature biblical understanding of, Of what it means to be a free American. To be a free American. According to the very words of our founding fathers. Does not give us the freedom to do anything we want. It gives us the freedom to do what we ought. We need to understand that. We need to proclaim that. We need to be people of faith. That can articulate that to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to our co-workers. We don't need to be combative, but we do need to be courageous. And we don't need to just blend into the furniture when the topic comes up at work or at the family meeting or whatever, family get-together. And someone starts saying, well, in America, we're free to do as we want. Point them to the founders. Where the founders talking about we must be a people of morality. We must be a people of virtue. We must be a people of self-restraint. Point them to those men and their words. And may they understand that they are bringing us towards license, which will then bring us towards chaos, which will then bring us towards... Because that will, that will result in the breakdown of... Look, license, it's already happening will result in the breakdown of the family. And as the family breaks down, they will start, those individuals, it's already happening, will be very needy. So the people then that are working, okay, have to work harder because more of your paycheck is going to the the liberal crowd that thinks that they can, you know, um, do drugs and smoke and do all that kind of stuff and yet they can't do a job so they're laid off. So they depend more and more on the working class people And you work more and more to to pay for their illegitimate children, to pay for their illegitimate lifestyle. And in the end, folks, it gets ugly. It gets real ugly. And somebody's not going to be happy. The answer is the cause of Christ. In churches like ours, we've got to... We have got to resist the temptation to become liberal ourselves. What will make a difference is the unadulterated truth of God's word. This is powerful, folks. It can change hearts. It can change families. It can change churches. It can change nations. All we need to do is unashamedly proclaim it. This is it. This can bring revival to our lives, our families, our churches, and our nation. I'm calling on us to know the Word of God, to live the Word of God, and to proclaim the Word of God everywhere you go and in everything you do. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you, and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at MyoBaptistChurch.com. Thanks for listening.